RadioInfluence.com. Ah, this is your lucky day. I am giving you not one, but two of the rock stops here, guest. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've been doing a lot of baseball. And, of course, with the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, and I've been covering the Lightning, and, you know, but why not do a little off-season football? Because this is the week of the mandatory minicamp in the NFL. And so, you know what? How about a little off-season football? All right, I got two today. Now, they're not that long. One is Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss now has been on Sirius XM NFL radio for, I think, a good five years. Um, he's living in South Florida. He is a New Jersey boy, New Jersey man. I'm a New Jersey guy. So we kind of hit it off right there. Uh, but he was the offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots under Belichick and with Tom Brady, calls him Tommy. He was the uh, OC with the New York Jets and also the Kansas City Chiefs. Head coach on the collegiate level in football with Notre Dame, Kansas Jayhawks. I think he had one year with the Gators as the OC. But again, he's been breaking it down on Sirius XM NFL radio, Charlie Weiss. I got a great story on how it all went down and after that. And then also Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn, yeah, he's he's like male model looking, a really handsome guy. I saw him on Pat McAfee last week and I laughed. I didn't realize that Pat McAfee's co-host, Adam Hawk, his sister married Brady Quinn. I didn't know that when I did this interview with Brady Quinn. He was telling me about it being a girl dad. He's got three girls um, and he's very, very busy, man. And it's very interesting. Um, so Brady Quinn, remember he was, he was out of Notre Dame. He won the Maxwell award, top collegiate player, football player in the country. Uh, he goes, uh, first round in the NFL draft to the Cleveland Browns. He spent eight years, I believe in the NFL, but now really he's an analyst and boy, oh boy, is he busy. It'll, it'll, it'll take me like an hour to, to give you all of the, uh, companies that he's working for. But he also does radio, Fox Sports Radio on the mornings. He's a co-host. He's breaking it down on college football on Fox, NFL on Fox, uh, CBS Sports HQ. That's where I saw him. So we got Charlie Weiss and Brady Quinn. And then after that, I got plenty of stories, a lot of things I want to hit on. Uh, So stick around for that. All right. So without further ado, this is your lucky week. Not one, but two. Why don't we start off with the former OC with the Jets and the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. He's now on Sirius XM NFL Radio. I had to kind of make it quick. I'll explain. Here he is, Charlie Weiss. All right, I am with Charlie Weiss, and he is just, you know, this is how you made it to the top. So you made it to the top in the NFL in football and in broadcasting. You're on Sirius XM. So congratulations on a, on how great you're doing, Chuck. Oh, that's, thank you very much. It's kind of ironic because when I went to college, I wanted to be a sports announcer. And I ended up going a different route. I ended up teaching and coaching and then I'm getting into coaching full time. And here it is at the end of my career where we've gone the full gamut. Now I'm, I'm actually into doing radio analysis. It's kind of funny. 
Did you ever think you'd be in the media? The media is not a very good uh, word, Charlie. From uh... yeah, but I don't look at it like that. Like I, I don't, I don't look like I'm in the media. I look like I'm just an old football coach that's got a microphone. Do you enjoy being on NFL radio? Because the fans that are tuning in, they want to know as much as they can about the NFL. You know what I mean? And you're able to provide in this perspective that the uh, host or anchor that didn't play or coach can't bring. Well, you have to try not to be yeah try not to talk down and talk to a level that everyone can understand the only thing that annoys you sometimes is you might get a caller call in that really doesn't want to ask a question they want to tell you not ask you so my my whole point a lot of times is well you know you're you're wrong i mean if you want to ask a question ask a question but don't call up to tell me you know what the answer is because it defeats the whole purpose now, here's the other thing. A lot of former players and coaches, when they get in the media and then they're being paid really to give their opinion, don't like to be critical when you see that either a player or a coach is not performing. Did you have to deal with that, Charlie, when you first started doing broadcasting? I have not, I'm not afraid. I don't throw coaches or players under the bus, but I do question decision-making. You know what I'm saying? Oh, why would you do that? You know, now, I usually ask it rhetorically, you know, so that I'm not, you know, make, making a judgment. But obviously, by me, you know from being from New Jersey, when you ask a rhetorical question, there's an intent behind it right there. So uh, I've done that from the first first day. That really, you know, I will not throw anyone on the bus. But at the same time, I'll say, I just don't understand. Like, people use analytics and go for it on fourth and one from their own 20. I'll say, Really? You're really, really? Is that what your charge said? You, you think that was a good idea? You know, like you no. Know, so uh, I think that gets the point across without having to without having to be too critical. Just a couple on your career. I've I've been I've been dying to ask you this because from being from New Jersey so long ago, I don't know if this is. BS or not, I know that you were a high school football coach in Morris County. I know you were at Marstown High School, and anybody in New Jersey would know where that is. But he, did you actually, like, drive to where the Giants were and put notes on Parcells' window and trying to... That's what I had heard until, like, give me a chance, man, no? No, actually, when I was down in South Carolina and Joe Morrison died... They hired Al Groh as their linebacker coach. And Al Groh, uh, you know, was one of the coaches on South Carolina staff. So when Tim Rooney was looking for somebody to do some film breakdown cheap, you know, Al Groh said to Tim Rooney, I got just a guy for you. So Tim Rooney talked to me. Then he sent me a bunch of tapes, and I broke down the tapes, and he liked the way that worked out. So in the summer of 1989, I spent the whole summer at training camp really working with Tim Rooney. And then after that season was over, when Lamar Leachman left and went to Detroit, and Parcells moved Romeo to defensive line, he moved Mike Sweatman to the special teams coach, and he was looking to hire an assistant special teams coach slash quality control. He was sitting there with Tim Rooney and said, man, I just can't find a guy. He goes, we had the guy in here last summer. I mean, he's, the, you know, so Tim Rooney actually recommended me to Parcells and, you know, Parcells interviewed me along with a bunch of other guys and decided to go in that in that vein. There you go. The rest is history. Listen, I know you're, you're busy. You got something to do. My last one. What advice do you give? Let's do it on the broadcasting end. What advice would you give, Charlie? Somebody trying to get in this business. Don't be fake. 
you know, too many people want the, the story to be about themselves. Okay, people aren't interested in you. They're interested in what, what you're talking about. They're not interested in you. So don't be a phony. You know, be honest. Charlie, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Now, I've been saving this, like I said, I really want to do two podcasts a week. If there's anybody out there that would like to sponsor, advertise on this bad boy, we can get this thing to two two, uh, two days a week easily. I've got more content that I know what to do with. I can't even get to it all. So this was done at the NFL Combine, which is a while, weeks and weeks ago. And I was looking around for the names. I was there for three or four days in Indianapolis. By the way, Roger Goodell, thank you. The NFL Combine is going back to Indy. I like it in Indy. Everything is there in downtown Indy. It's really quiet. It's easy. It's just like a, a homecoming from all anybody with the NFL. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm going to be going back, God willing, this coming year, next year, load up again. So I was looking around, looking around, and... Sirius XM NFL radio at all these big NFL events, they have a set. I will say Sirius XM does these big events like the Super Bowl. They do it up big. They do it right. They do it up big. So they built a set. It was raised up. It was in the same room where all the interviews are conducted with these young, these college prospects, NFL prospects that are leaving college. And it's a beehive of activity. When, when you go to the Super Bowl, Sirius XM has a serious, they have a serious set. I mean, it's, 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 it's a thing of beauty. It's great. It's great. It's great. So I'm looking around and uh, Solomon Wilcox, Cots, I had him on this rock stops here. Um, Chris Sims was with Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. The set that they had, a smaller set, was right near Sirius XM's. Um, CBS Sports HQ has their own set. Then, of course, NFL Network had a big one. Now, ESPN did not have a set there. They were in a separate location. So, and I'll get to Brady Quinn in a minute because I I got him coming off of his uh, set. So I was looking around, looking around. I'm like, Charlie Weiss. Now, I purchased a new vehicle at the end of the year, at the end of 2021, and it's a new Toyota. It's a 2022. And with that, you get three free months of Sirius XM, which was great. Now, back in the day, I used to have it. I had it for Howard Stern, and then Bubba was on it, and then I, I Howard 101, and of course, I listened to a lot of Sirius XM, uh, NFL radio, a lot of that, and uh, it was great. But then after a while, okay, I, 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 you know, I had it for several years and then I discontinued it. And so getting it n- now, again, it was great. And so I'd be listening to Sirius XM, the NFL radio. I'm like, all right. And I'm listening to Pat Kerwin and uh, Miller, which which will be another upcoming Rock Stops Here podcast, which I got in the can waiting to use. And uh, so Charlie Weiss is on with Bob Papa. Bob Pop has done play-by-play, Giants. He's done a lot of NFL. He's been a host a long time out of out of the New York uh, market. And there's Charlie Weiss. And so there's Charlie Weiss. He's sitting up there. On, so I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to, I'm going to see if he can do my podcast. So I waited and I waited, I waited for a day. I'd, I'd walk around, I'd, I'd do other stuff, do some more, more interviews, come back, come back. And then I missed him. He must have taken off after his show. So now it's the next day. So I look, I see him then again and okay, okay, maybe, you know, so I waited and then their show was done. I went back. I think I did a podcast with Joe Bucks fan. Then I came back over and Charlie Weiss was off of the set. It's like a raised set, a stage. And he was off it and he was in the back. Almost like a green room, but it was open. There was no green room, but you're in the open. But he was in the back and he had his laptop out and he was just sitting back there. And I figured, what the heck? So I walked up to him and I said, Charlie... He just looked at me and I said, my name is Rock Riley. I've been in the Tampa Bay market a long time, but I'm from New Jersey. And I know you started your coaching career in New Jersey. He was, he was a high school football coach, like I mentioned there. And I said, do you mind? And, and I said, I'm a big fan. And he goes, a fan of me? I'm not kidding. I said, yeah. He goes, of me? Yeah. And I, and I said, could I do, could you do a couple of minutes here with me? And he's like, and once I said New Jersey and he's like, go ahead. Just like that. That's how this started. And I said, all right, let's do it. So when I did it and I popped my headphones in and I started recording with him, but I noticed that a, a producer came by and he kind of looked at him, said something while we were just doing that. And then Solomon Wilcott's comes and sits down next to him and he puts on his cans, his headphones. And then I see the producer. I'm like, they're going to do another show. He's doing a second show. So my point is I had a lot more questions that I wanted to hit Charlie up on, especially what was it really like being the offensive coordinator under Belichick with the Patriots and with Tom Brady, because listening to his show, he calls Brady Tommy. Tommy. And that would have been great, great insight. But I'm also aware I got good peripheral vision. Like some people are like just so focused. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And I could see that they were getting ready to tape another show on Sirius. So I, I, I sped it up and that's why it was kind of short, but I thanked him and there you go. And there, there you go. So now let me bring on my second guest. This is, we're doing a little theme today with off-season NFL, okay, because it's mandatory minicamp. We're going to have a couple of weeks off. And then later in the summer, around that end of July period, we get into it. That's when it starts. Full go. Training camp. So Brady Quinn, I've been watching him. He was doing his thing with this CBS Sports HQ. I had Josina Anderson on. She was with them. I did a, a thing with a couple of other people there. No need to, to wear this down or slow this thing down. So Brady Quinn was all done. Now, this was on the final day of the NFL Combine. And now I have learned going to the Combine and then going to the NFL owners meetings. The workers, like at the convention center or the workers that are at the Breakers Hotel where they had the owner meetings, they take down these sets fast. I mean, couldn't you just wait? It was day three of the combine. Everybody was kind of starting to clear out. And 
over on the side, they're starting to take down this set. But I see Brady Quinn and I'm like, what the heck? I went up to him. I said, hey, Brady, how you doing? I'm Rock. I'm from Tampa Bay. I got this podcast, how you made it. It's really not X's and O's. It's about, you know, and a lot now you being a broadcaster, going from a quarterback in the NFL to being a broadcaster. You've been very successful. I like, you know, okay, okay. And then right when I was ready to record, Ian Rappaport, not, not Ian Rappaport, um, What's his name? He used to be on NFL Network. Now he's with SI. Well, it doesn't matter. He came up to him and and uh, Brady said to, to me, he says, hey, just hold on a second. Hold on a second. And I got to talk to him. I said, you got it. Well, I waited there for a long time. Meanwhile, they were taking down a set. And it's one of these things where you got to make that judgment. Either you can't say, well, let's hold on. Let's try to go to another quiet location. It was day three. People are heading out. I'm getting them on the fly so you can hear some of these workers taking down this set near us. But if it's too much for you, you can fast forward. And I got a ton of stories after this, but he's got some really good things to say. Very, very interesting. So let me bring, bring him in. This is, you remember Brady Quinn? He was out of Notre Dame. He was a Maxwell winner. I believe, wasn't he a Heisman finalist? Uh, he was the first round pick of the Cleveland Browns that year after college. And then uh, he gets right into broadcasting after his NFL career. He'll explain here. But let me bring him in. Let me bring him in. And then I got a ton of stories afterwards. We'll just we'll just hang afterwards. Sound good? All right. Let me welcome in. Here he is now with, let me get it all right, CBS Sports HQ analyst, college football on Fox analyst. NFL on Fox, analyst, and co-host on radio, Fox Sports Radio, 6 to 9 a.m. across the country. Busy, busy man, the one, the only, Brady Quinn. All right, Brady, you have made it to the top, NFL. You've made it to the top in broadcasting. So what is your uh, what is your secret to success, Brady? I mean, it's everyone's secret, right? It's just working hard, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, if you stay prepared, you don't have to get prepared. I think a lot of times, you know, people always, um, you know, they, they hope for opportunities. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes you miss opportunities when people don't realize that one's being presented. They just weren't prepared for it. So uh, that would be my key to success. I think it's always just working hard and uh, being prepared for anything in any moment. And then you'll start to see more opportunities tend to pop up when you're always prepared. Where did that come from? Did that come from when you grew up? Was it from your parents? Was it coaching? Was it playing to be prepared? Cause there's a lot of guys that get into it because they were a big name, but then they don't prepare in broadcasting. Well, yeah, they don't work. You know, they don't want to watch the film. You know, watching film is one of the most, you know, mundane, boring tasks unless you have a true passion for it and unless you understand that that's really the key to seeing things. You know, you can look at stats and look at box scores all you want, but the difference is when you start watching a guy on tape, you get a feel for kind of who he is and, and the type of player he is, what kind of heart he plays with, all those little things that you can confirm when you interview, but it's just putting in the work. You know, that's that's the biggest difference, I think, for me is, um, you know, being obsessed with loving watching tape, watching football and how different coach coaches call schemes, how they handle things, how players handle pressure or how they respond. Uh, if, for example, if a cornerback gets beat on a, on a deep ball, you know, how does he respond the rest of the game? You know, th- those sorts of things. You just got to look for the little, you know, finer details, but you got to put in the work. All right. So that's being an analyst. 
you also do talk radio. That's a different animal. Yeah, you got to bring content. You got to know what you're talking about, but you also have to be entertaining. Yeah, I, I think that's just part of um, the personality, you know, and, and there's an element of just trying to be yourself. I think um, in some ways people love stories and when you can be relatable with those stories, uh, it plays a role, you know, so I'll share different stories like the other day, my eldest daughter, uh, Sloan, who happened to clog up a toilet. And <laughs> I, I started kind of explaining that. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of parents out there listening go, yeah, I was there too. You know, when my child put too much toilet paper in there and tried to fix it herself. So, um, you know, those are like little elements that you can kind of bring in and, you know, ap- apply to not only your real life where people relate, but then when you draw them in with an example of that, and then you compare it to, I don't know, you know, the Washington Commanders, for example, and, you know, that, you know, overflooding toilet of, of things that they got going on there, that then becomes kind of your end to connecting with the folks. Now, do you have to, I'm sure, you know, you got to have some chemistry. Chemistry will come through. You're not, you know, it's not up to you on who they hire, but you, LeVar, Jonah, seems like you got pretty good chemistry. You can bust balls on each other. It's almost like being in a locker room. Is it, is it not? That, that's how I think we would try to talk about it. You know, Jonas and I worked together for six years now. So we did a, a weekend show together on Sunday nights and we developed a strong chemistry for one another and really become great friends. So that was already there. It's really was adding in LeVar and trying to figure out, you know, how the show changes and where he fits in and how we can kind of play to all, you know, each other's strengths. That's the biggest thing. It's like any other team. You know, you know what your strengths are. You try to know what your weaknesses are and you don't put people in bad spots and you try to, you know, really highlight those people's talents and abilities. And that's what we look to do every day. Interesting. When you look back on your career, number one draft pick out of Notre Dame, played in the NFL. Do you look back at it and like, I wish I even had more time or more opportunities or, you know what, man, I did the best that I did. I played at the highest level. How do you look at it? Um, I mean, the hard thing is, like I talked about, I mean, I, I never felt outworked. I never felt like I was unprepared. Um, you know, I think the, the harsh re- realization for me was I got to that level and I realized, <clears throat> you know, my talent had gotten to a point where, you know, I needed more help around me. You know, I I needed to be in a situation where I had more things there for me to be able to succeed. And that's a harsh reality for some people um, to not feel like you're Superman anymore. You know, in college, you can feel that way. You know, when you're a Heisman finalist or you win a player of the year award, you come away with some of those feelings. But, you know, when you're... When you're at the NFL level, you realize now you're at the elite of the elite. And unless you're Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or, um, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, when, when you start looking at it, you go, hold on a second. Like, maybe I don't have that, that same talent or ability that they do. And that's where you've got to be able to find a way of overcoming it uh, as a cerebral player or hope that you find yourself on a really good team in a really good situation. Did you feel like you were done or did you want to play more or? I ended up having a back injury when I was training uh, my seventh year when I was in St. Louis with the Rams. And it's I had drop foot. I, I had issues with that um, coming back from that. And and I remember when I was rehabbing, I was kind of thinking to myself, I don't know if, if this is ever going to feel the same again. Um, and so that was the first time where I had to start thinking about life after football and what I want to do. And fortunately, at the time, uh, Jeff Fisher was the head coach. And when I was kind of around the facility and still rehabbing, still going to meetings, he kind of said in passing, like, hey, you should maybe think about broadcasting. That might be something you're good at. So um, I started to kind of test out the waters, Um, went to ESPN, NFL Network, uh, did the broadcast boot camp that's offered um, through the NFL. 
and uh, ended up getting some offers. Actually signed a contract with Fox and then left about a month later when I got an opportunity to go into training camp with the Dolphins. Um, I, I soon realized it wasn't really an opportunity. I was just kind of there as a camp arm. So I called Fox probably the second day or third day I was there and said, hey, keep that spot for me because they're going to cut me at the end of this thing. So uh, and that was, and the rest is kind of history. Just didn't look back. It's a harsh business. All right, this is how I ended. I always ask my guest, what advice would you give? Now, for you, it's 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 twofold. Advice for these young players that are coming in and maybe, let's do that, and they're going to get to the NFL, but they're, and they're very, very talented. And then we'll also do an advice to get into broadcasting. So let's go for the talented kids that are going to be going into the NFL. Well, I, I would just say this is, applies to both groups you talked about. I grew up as more of a perfectionist. And I think one of the things that happens when you're always trying to be perfect and you're always trying to, you almost develop this fear of failure. And um, instead of using, instead of going out and playing loose or whatever it is, you know, whether it's an audition or an opportunity to perform in front of someone, instead of trying to be so concerned about being perfect, just go in and try to take on that individual moment as an opportunity to, you know, whether it's, again, auditioning, displaying your talents, or even as a player. You know, today, for example, the combine. Um, you know, going in and then looking at it as an opportunity to get better, you know, and not so much as an opportunity where oh, I need to be perfect on every throw or what else I miss this or, oh, no, I was a little off on this throw. What does everyone think of me now? And, and instead of worrying about that stuff and overanalyzing, just go out there and, and try to look at it with a perspective to you know, just enjoy that moment, enjoy that opportunity and, and make the most of it in that sense. Don't worry about, you know, failure. You can learn from that later on. Oh, you wish you knew that. Don't we all wish? Don't, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's hopefully something I can pass down to my, my, I got three girls, so it's hopefully something I can pass down to them. Awesome. Best of luck. Continued success. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I know you can hear that in the background. I, 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 it was one of those things like if I would have said, all right, let's hold on. Let's try to go out. He'd be like, look, I got to go. And it was at the end. So what are you going to do? But I've learned now that I've learned. Now that I've been at the Combine, when I went to the NFL owner meetings, owners meetings in Palm Beach, and it was the last day, and same thing. These workers, man, they're they're taking down these sets, and it's there's still media doing interviews and stuff. Can't can't you just wait? Like, can you wait another four, three, four hours? But uh, I've learned. And that's why I didn't, when I went to the Breakers Hotel in Palm Beach, I didn't do any interviews out on the lawn where these big tents were being taken down. So I've learned. I've learned. I did it that once, Brady. But Brady, thank you. And one more thing before I want to move on here. I do want to say, and I didn't realize this until after I had done this interview and I was doing a little research uh, uh, about Brady. He also has the Third and Goal Foundation, the 3NG Foundation. That's his foundation. They make homes for handicapped, accessible. The homes are handicapped, accessible for wounded veterans. And also his foundation gives educational resources to help veterans get their education. I think that's pretty cool because here's a guy that was born Let's face it, Maccabee was busting on him. He was born with extremely good looks. He's real handsome. He was a great quarterback. He goes to Notre Dame. He's a first-round pick. He's in the NFL for eight years. His first gig out of the NFL in broadcasting is Fox Nationwide, Fox Sports. 
And then he goes to start playing again and he calls Fox. Can you save that spot for me? I don't know if this is going to work out. And Fox saves that spot. So my point is he's got a lot going on. All right. But he also, what he said there, he studies film. It's real boring, but you got to do it. You got to work at it to keep your gig. And then what he also does with this foundation to help wounded veterans, Martin Gramatica did the same thing and his brothers here in Tampa Bay and they, to be commended, to be commended. So Brady, thank you for doing that for me and congratulations on what you're doing and all your success, my man. Hope to, hope to see you down the road. Best of luck. And to uh, LeVar Arrington and uh, Jonas, your partners on radio. All righty. What else do we got going on here today? Now, story time. So last week, uh, I think he was the first manager that got his walking papers in Major League Baseball. I'm talking about Joe Girardi of the Phillies, right? I don't think anybody else was canned. Boy, that's that's pretty early. We're not even at uh, All-Star break. We're <laughs> June, June, like June 3rd or something. Oh, my God. They need another voice in the room. Well, I ran into Joe Girardi. Yeah. Yeah. Right before, uh, like a week before spring training, my daughter went to this camp and she met friends last summer. And one of the friends was living in South Florida. So they stayed in touch. She had a tight group of a couple of girls that they were at camp with a sleepaway camp for like three and a half weeks. And she got invited down to her place and we said, sure. So we draw, I drove, I'm raising my hand with my wife and my daughter and we drove down to Boca Raton. Wow. But we stayed right, Emily and I, we stayed right outside that. And she had to sleep over at the nice house and all that. And da, da, da. So during the, I had never been to Boca. And so my wife and I were staying in a little Marriott or something small outside of there. And we had time. And so we dropped our daughter off to her friend at her house, at a friend's house. And we said, let's, let's check out, let's check out the area. So we checked out the East Coast, the beach. We checked out Boca. We were walking around. Emily's like, man, this reminds me of Naples because Emily, my wife, she worked in in TV. She was a news reporter and and, and did a little anchoring. And she worked in Naples. It was Naples slash Fort Myers, I believe. Now, the station that she was at no longer does local news. My wife does freelancing and all that jazz, but she's not involved with the local news thing anymore. She's a mom and loving it. So we said, let's walk around. So she said, this reminds me, it's like old money. Like, you know, all around the little town, they have a square, the restaurants, the little shops, you know, it was nice. And it was right before spring training. And so we were like, we, we get something, maybe we'll get lunch. No, you know what? And there was a sandwich, a bagel place slash, I think they did sandwiches as well. And we said, let's go in there. So we go in there and we ordered, I ordered bagels, had coffee and this and that. And there was nobody else. There was maybe one other person in there. And then there was a couple that walked in and I looked over. I'm like, holy shit, that's Joe Girardi and his wife. So I didn't want to like, hey, Joe, how's it going? You know, and bother him. 
and it's right before spring training. He must live right around there. And so I just didn't do anything. But I actually had to go out to my car, I think because I left my phone in the car, which I normally don't do, but we're real relaxed. We're just walking around. It's good sometimes to not constantly be down on your phone. And so I, I just said, I'll be right back. I didn't want to say anything to my wife. I wanted to go out and get my phone and I Googled it just to make sure because I wasn't sure. I don't know. I don't know everything of every sport of every player and coach at all times. All right. I just can't know everything. Um, and I wanted to, and I was like, Joe Girardi. Yep. Still he's with the Philadelphia Phillies. Just want to make sure. So I went back in his order came. He got it with his wife. They got it to go. Ours was to go. He walked by me. And then when he walked right by me, I just said, uh, no, no, no. Ours was first. They were still getting there, waiting for their order. And we got ours. And then I turned. And I just said, hey, Joe, how you doing? Good luck this year. And he goes, thanks. And then I walked out and he goes, hey, man, thanks a lot. Like they appreciate that. It's like celebrities, stars, that you're not, you acknowledge, you know that they're going to go to spring training, but you don't bug them. Just like a couple of weeks ago or two weeks ago when I saw a big show, the wrestler used to be in WWE and now he's at AEW. I said, Hey, big show. But I just kind of kept my stride going. And he's like, Hey, Hey, thanks, man. And he, he stuck out his arm for like a high five or a high forearm. And I said, Hey, like you on your show too, man. Kept walking. He goes, thank you very much. Like that's, that's perfect. You know what I mean? And so I was like, Oh, and he was reading his order. I don't know specifically. I can't remember specifically what it was. He and his wife. It was real healthy. <laughs> he is a health food nut. And I remember after that day looking it up when he was with, I think it was the Yankees. Maybe it was the Phillies. Like I think he didn't he outlaw like candy or some sweets in the clubhouse. Like he's, he's really a stickler. He was always in great shape. He did not look like a typical major league manager, although a lot of them anymore are in shape. Kevin Cash, Kapler, guy out in San Francisco. You know, they're really, it's not like the old days with the big gut and the skinny little legs. And, you know, when they put the managerial, put the uniform on. So anyway, that's my Joe Girardi. And then I went out to my wife and I, uh, last week I was like, look at that. Remember we saw that Joe Girardi? Remember that in Boca? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got fired today. Like what happened? Wasn't he a good manager? I'm like, they weren't winning. And isn't I think it's more so in baseball than well, I guess every sport. You're as good as your players. Like, look at his record. I was looking it up. Joe Girardi had 10 consecutive winning seasons with the Yankees. Their record was incredible. They won the World Series in 2009. I think his first and only year with the Marlins, they had some studs there, but he was NL, NL manager of the year. And and right now, you know, three years with the Phillies, 132 and 141. Third place in the NL East, that ain't going to get it done. I remember Joe Torre. Joe Torre, legendary, successful, incredibly successful manager with the New York Yankees. Well, who was Joe Torre before that? He was manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. They weren't very good. He wasn't thought of as being a good manager. So again, it's about the players that you have. 
A lot of times it's just managing egos, managing, you know, the, the, the vibe amongst the team, amongst players, things like that. You know, it comes down to final decisions when you're going to make a change or maybe strategy. But in the end, it's do you have good players? And Joe Girardi had very good players with the New York Yankees during that stretch. And now he is probably back in Boca at the sandwich bagel shop with his wife. Um, did, did any of you check out last week the match, the golf match? Aaron Rodgers and Brady against Josh Allen and Mahomes. It was the same night as the Tampa Bay Lightning were playing a playoff game. So I had to switch from the match to that. I think it's like, because I remember the first time that I saw the match. Now, they might have done one or two before that, but it was the year that Brady played like two years ago. Remember that with Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods? I was locked in. I, it's, you know, I like them miking them up. I like the ball busting. I do like that. Barkley, there was a, Barkley's good. Barkley's good. Chuck. But there were also times where he started, I'm a better player than you. Like his color guy. I'm, I'm player to you. It made it too much about you. And I'm wondering if it'll lose his luster. Like, and and the other thing that I was blown away by was Aaron Rodgers is like, he's so serious, man. He was locked the fuck in. And not that Brady wasn't, not that Mahomes and Josh Allen aren't competitors. He is just a different dude. He was totally locked in. And his calves were so thick. His arm, he's, he's strong, mofo. And, you know, there's a picture where they're shaking hands, Brady and uh, Karen. (laughs) Brady's arms don't look that big. He doesn't lift weights. He does not lift weights. He does plyometrics. He's about being pliable. He does his TB12. You know, he had to wear the pants. He had to wear, you know, they're all wearing shorts. Patrick Mahomes, Joe, he opened a beer. I love it. I love it. He's like, I didn't want to wait. I wanted to wait a little bit. I don't want to open up this early. And they're like, what do they call it? Something to juice? Is that helping you? And he's like, it, it will to a certain point. But if I have too many, it won't. <laughs> like, But I thought it was good. Boy, there were some errant shots. One guy got clocked in the head. He tried to make a big thing of it. But he got hit in the head by a by a freaking tee shot from uh, Josh Allen. There were a couple of fans that were getting hit. But it was funny. It was funny. And it was interesting. But I'm wondering if it's going to lose its luster. And, you know, I've had a couple people mention to me that they're a little concerned that Brady isn't all in. I don't know. I, he's Once he does it, he's all in. Now, He's going to be all in once he once he shows up. Like this week, this week is mandatory mini camp. But um, sooner or later, Father Time's going to hit. Is it going to be this year? It may. It may. Maybe he'll continue to defy the odds. But it's going to hit, and you just wonder, you know, because when he was doing some, when they were doing that sit down where you had young Josh Allen of the Bills and young Patrick Mahomes, and then you had. Rodgers and Brady and Brady was just like, look, man, when like with these guys 
over at Mahomes and Josh Allen. You're all football. You're all football. I was like that too when I was young. And then you get to be our age, my age. Your life is so full. There's so many other things that you got going on that it's hard to give 120 or 50% to football. But again, he's he's got that gene where he's just so much more competitive. And I, I, I hate to keep bringing up McAfee, but he's my favorite guy now. Pat McAfee used to be with the Colts. Punter, kicker. He do that. He he did a great. It's on YouTube where he put on a mask and came out like an old guy on the field, as if he is if he could barely walk and then started kicking field goals and stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> Pack place RCA Dome. I think it was there, right? Hysterical. But he was saying the other day when he first got in the NFL, every game, every kick mattered. Everything, and then as the years go on, you're kind of like, all right, well, tomorrow's another day. All right, we didn't win this one. You know, it's kind of like, all right, I'm kind of thinking about, like, what am I going to do next? Whereas, you know, Brady has not been like that. But I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how it's going to go down. I really am. I'm not Mister Homerism here. I understand that if you're not a Buccaneer fan, that you do not want to hear any more about Brady. I get it, but it also brings clicks. It really does, and I can prove it to you. So anyway, I'll be there all summer long once the training camp starts here at the mini camp, and uh, that's my plan anyway, unless something else uh, comes up. Now, you know, these watch parties with the teams that are this far in the playoffs, like the NBA Finals or the NHL Stanley Cup, or these, you know, Eastern and Western Conference Finals. The newer thing is for the teams to allow fans to have these watch parties on their property. And now for the Lightning, they brought the watch party inside Emily Arena. And the fans love it because it's so hot down here. It's air-conditioned. You're in the arena. The sound system is good. It's up on the big board. You're amongst your other fans. Although the concession prices are pretty dang expensive, right? But I was just thinking, like, I wonder how bar owners, sports bar owners, feel about that. Whereas, like, if it's like the Stanley Cup Finals or the NBA Finals, you know, if you're a really good sports bar or you have that clientele, there are the fans that want to go to the sports bar, man, and see it with other fans. The high-fiving and, and all that. And yeah, and you wear your jersey. Yeah, it's kind of cool compared to just being in your house by yourself or with your wife or your kids that don't care. And, you know, but now that's changing. Like, I, all these teams do these watch parties. And I'm like, how does, how, I wonder how bar owners feel about that. You know, what do you prefer? Now, I have been in broadcasting for so long, so long. And it's changed a little bit where I can be more of a fan because I'm not at a TV station. You know, TV, you got to play it really down. You know, you can't be Joe fan. I remember a girl got suspended at a station that I was at because she did a live shot with one of the hats on of the team. And she freaking got suspended. Yeah. But it's kind of changing a little bit, you know. 
And now just doing sports talk. If I go on shows or I'm doing my podcast, I can do whatever I want. But I don't want to be Joe Homer too much. I'm not I'm not Joe, Joe, Joe fan. So I had not experienced that fandom thing at the sports bar until pre-pandemic Joe Buck's fan four years ago, three, four years ago. I'm like, and, and the guy that runs it, Steve's like, hey, come to the, you know, come to the sports bar. Ira's going to be there, blah, blah, blah. I'll buy you a drink and I'll buy you your food. And, you know, you do it because I was doing reporting for Joe Buck's fan. I still do a podcast with them uh, on Buck's game day. But anyway, so I go to the sports bar and it's all these Buccaneer fans in their jerseys. And I'm just at the first, like the first game that I went to at the bar I hadn't, I've, I've always been working, either working on a post-game show. We used to do them on Bright House Sports Network and Bay News 9. I would take live calls. I was at the field or I'm in the studio and you're doing highlights and you're trying to give it straight and then you're taking calls and you're going to press conferences. You know, I was, I was a journalist. I was a stinging journalist. I was paid to be a reporter, journalist, and a host and an anchor. And I hadn't experienced the fan side. And it was almost like weird, like there'd be a touchdown and everybody's high-fiving, they're coming around, they're high-fiving me. And am I supposed to be jumping up and high-fiving too? Like it's, I wasn't used to that. And I can see where fans like that. And then it also really sucks when the team is doing bad. But it's, it's fun. It's interesting. Like life is about variety. You go through different stages. I'm in a different stage now. I'm more in that fourth quarter stage in life. <laughs> I hate to say it. Oh my God. I went to the doctor last week and the full physical. And now that I'm at this age, oh, my cholesterol count is here. I want you to go over here and see if you got any plaque buildup. And then if you do, then I got to treat it aggressively. We want your number to get here. Oh, but there might be these side effects. I'm like, oh. All I want to do is drink my beer and still be able to party and have fun and like, whoa, 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 whoa. But, but you also got to be proactive because at the A, when you get a certain age, you know, you got more of a chance of heart attack and that type of thing. And it's just like the life, that's life, right? That's everybody is suffering. I know some people close to me have been dealing with a lot of stuff. So my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. But life, Larry Rothschild was the first ever manager of the Tampa Bay Devil Race. He was a pitching coach. He had come from the Florida Marlins and he got the gig as the manager for the Devil Race. I'll never forget it. And a good friend of mine in the business, Whitney Johnson, Larry took a liking to Whitney. Same thing with Joe Madden. Oh, and I got something to announce. I am going somewhere and I'm hoping it's going to be great. It's this summer and I'm excited and I'm hoping it's going to also mean some big names that I'm going to sit down with. Oh, yeah. On the rock stops here. But let me continue. So anyway, so Larry Rothschild really liked Whitney. And after his career ended with the Devil Rays, they let him go. I think Lou Pinella came in. And then Larry hooked up with the New York Yankees. And he was a longtime pitching coach there. 
And I think right up until maybe a year ago or so. <clears throat> so anyway, he came to the trop with the Yankees and Whitney, my friend, wanted to make sure he would go over and say hello to Larry. And Larry loved seeing Whitney and blah, blah, blah. They were talking. And Larry, I never, Whitney told me this. He, Larry said to Whitney, he goes, getting old sucks. Like there was some type of ailment he was dealing with. And here you're around these players that are in their 20s and they're running around, not a worry in the world. They don't have these ailments. They can do what they want. They can stay out until all hours. And he just said, getting old sucks. And <laughs> I remember that. I remember the silliest, stupidest things. I, my wife, that drives my wife crazy. She's like, oh my God, the things that you remember. And then the things I tell you that are important, you say you don't remember. All righty, let's see. Uh, what else do we got here? No, I'm not going to get into that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic uh, announcement that he's retiring from the NFL. He is probably going to get a gig on one of the networks. I think he would be great. He went to an Ivy League school. He's also got a good sense of humor. And he's a quarterback. And he's played on so many teams. that he, You know what I mean? He would be great. He's got a really dry sense of humor that would be great. Ryan Fitzmagic. And I'll never forget because last week when he announced his retirement, the clip where he's got the shirt open. He's got the chains. He's got the hairy chest. He's got the shades on, the aviator glasses. That was all Deshaun Jackson stuff. And I was right there for everything. I was right there for what went down in the locker room. I was there for that press conference. And then I heard my voice this week asking, what is yours, Ryan? What is yours? Like, is it the chain? Is it the shades? Is it the jacket? And he's like, my hair, his chest hair, that was it. And it got a big laugh. And I heard that this week and it took me back. I was like, that was a really cool day. But he's a great guy. He's got, he and his wife have, I, is it five, six kids? Maybe it's even seven. And they wear the Fitzpatrick jerseys and they, they, they're, they were always around. They were around on game day. They were around. It was really neat. Like he's a really good dad and just a good guy, a good guy. And I would love to see, and it's great getting a quarterback that has just left the game because they're so, they know the plays, they know the nuances, they know the players. You know what I mean? They haven't been out for 20 years or 10 years. I think he would be great because, you know, Brady's going to get $357 million. You know, and I wonder how much everything that he goes into, he puts all out effort. But he's got, like I said, he's got so many things. Once you quit playing, man, are you going? Is he still going to have that drive to be the best? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. All right, listen. I think that's enough yapping by me today. By thank you to Charlie Weiss. You're a fan of me, yeah. And to Brady Quinn, I really, really appreciate that. Um, I got a busy, busy week this week with football, mandatory minicamp, baseball, what's left of the NHL, and a whole lot more. 
a whole lot more. So like I say, we will see. And by the way, if you would like to advertise on this podcast, I will do it up for you. I will go be above and beyond to get the word. Contact me. Contact my boys at Radio Influence. Maybe we could increase this two days a week because it drives me crazy to do this just once a week. It's just I get I I'm running into so many people and good guests and I just I can't I can't use them. But anyway, loving what I have. I really appreciate you listening. I really, really do. If you're not already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button and that way every Tuesday morning we uh, you get this thing. My thanks to Jerry and Jason at Radio Influence and especially to my man Jerry because he has been hit with medical issues that nobody should have to endure, especially for a young dude. So the man upstairs must have a plan, man. Must have a plan for you. You know, like I used to always say, we, my brothers and I would kid around with my mother. You know, my mother just, she never did anything wrong, man. She never smoked. She never drank. She never, she gave everything to everything. And we said, okay, when it's time, when it's time for judgment day, there's going to be, uh, you know, we grew up Catholic. There's going to be uh, a guy outside the pearly gates. He's going to have one of those racing flags. You, uh, over there. No, you committed some sins. Purgatory. You, Oh man, you were bad. You were you were stealing. You were cheating. You were cheating on your. You going over there? Boom! You gotta, you, you you going over to the fire pit? And here comes my mother. Oh, boom, boom! Straight through, straight through, straight through. So, my man Jerry, hang tough, buddy, and let's get some healing vibes for my man and anybody else that's going through everything. Let me throw my vibes my vibes to you. All right? All right. There you go. I'll talk to you next week. And thank you on The Rock Stops Here. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out radioinfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.